The Bible reading is from Philippians chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so, somehow, attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all this, all have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then, who are mature, should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, Many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a saviour from there. The Lord Jesus Christ. Who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good evening. Uh, welcome back to church for our regulars. It's uh, sad not to meet together in the same building, but we're still meeting together, reading God's word together, praying to God together. So in a very real sense, we are still 
Churching Together. So welcome back to our second week of doing this remotely. Here in the church, we are keeping uh, social distance apart from each other. And of course, for you guys at home, we're doing exercising extreme social distancing as we talk to you from here into your home, into lounge rooms. And especially warm welcome if you are not really the church-going type, you haven't been at church at all, or maybe you have um, been at church a long time ago. But now that somebody has given you a link to this, uh, to this YouTube channel, or maybe that you've just found on our website, you thought it's quite convenient to sort of check out what's happening at church from the convenience of your own homes. If that's you, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for um, spending Sunday evening with us. Now, we've had an incredible year or so, haven't we? Um, we've, we've seen uh, almost the impeachment of a U.S. president. We've seen Brexit occur. We've seen the riots in Hong Kong. We've seen all these crazy things. And here in Sydney, Australia, we've had last year a big, long drought, followed by severe bushfire that covered vast tracts of our land, followed by, incredibly, floods. And once we got through all that, when we thought we were through all that, suddenly the coronavirus 2019 hits our planet. You'd be forgiven for thinking that we were somehow in one of these apocalyptic-type movies that we sometimes watch on TV. And certainly, there are a lot of preppers around the world, the ones who prepare for doomsday scenarios, with bunkers, uh, with lots of tin food, with gallons of water, with guns and ammunition, who are sort of preparing for this sort of scenario. Now, the question is, are we actually in the apocalypse? Is this the end time? Well, I can't tell you the answer to that question. Jesus himself says he might come back tonight or he might not come back for a million years. But it certainly does feel like the end of the world. And we walk around our supermarkets, we see no toilet paper, we go to Chatswood or we go to Sydney or the big cities of the world like London and Rome and Beijing and Tokyo and New York, and the streets are empty. It's eerie. And certainly we are also in a time of hardship ourselves. All around the world it's happened, but in Sydney we're just starting on our trek through this season of COVID-19. And many of the things that happened overseas may well happen to us here. And we're about to face those challenges as a nation. And it's into this environment of suffering we understand there's going to be a lot of things happening to us. We're worried about our health situation. Which of us are going to get sick? Am I going to get sick? Are my kids going to get sick? And in particular, in particular are our elderly relatives and friends going to get sick? And might they even pass away as a result? There is actually hardship and suffering on a health level. But not only that, there's also hardship and suffering on an economic level. So many of our retail stores have gone down. The stock markets have tanked. (laughs) Governments are rushing in stimulus packages. Uh, Some of us had lost our jobs before this, and the prospect of getting a new job soon is bleak. And yet others of us have lost our jobs recently or about to lose our jobs. And as a result, we're wondering how we're going to get through this, how we're going to provide for our families. There's a lot of stress and a lot of hardship and a lot of suffering in our thinking. And it's into this scenario that we look at tonight's passage. Tonight's passage is found in the Bible from a letter called the Philippians. It's written by a man who was an early church leader called Paul. And he himself was suffering. He was arrested. And he's speaking to a church in Philippi. And they too were suffering for various reasons. And he speaks to them these words, he speaks them to these words, and God speaks those words to us tonight as well. Now, uh, it'd be very helpful if you had your Bibles open in front of you, on your couches or on your desk, or maybe just pull up another window 
uh, next to me and have the Bible there. If you're not really used to this whole church thing, then uh, let me encourage you uh, to actually open another window next to me right here. And from there, go to BibleGateway.com. BibleGateway, one word, dot com. And just type in Philippians 3 and you'll see the text that we're going to look at tonight. It'll be on the screen as well, but only momentarily. But you can have that text open in front of you. It'll be very, very helpful. Well, Paul says to this church that they can have confidence in, even in times of hardship and suffering. And he looks at three major topics. The first topic is, he says, some people have confidence, but it's in fake stuff. It's on unreliable stuff. He had to have fake confidence. Don't be like them. He also says in a time of, in the time of, in any time, but especially in times of hardship and suffering, it's time to refocus the goals of our lives as he has done. And lastly, he says, he says, you can actually have true confidence in life, in the here and now and in the age of the apocalypse by putting your trust, not in the fake confidence, but in true confidence. And with that true confidence, we are to do things with it. And we'll see what he says about all of these three things. So let's uh, look at the first thing, fake confidence. As you can see, there's a guy here with a, a mask on and a, a cape and some photoshopping. And as a result, he thinks he can fly. Fake confidence. We see this in Philippians 3, verses 1 through 7. So let's look at that together. It says, Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write this same thing to you again, and it is to safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone has else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of a people of Israel, of a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to a law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. You see, Paul is under arrest. He is suffering hardships himself. And he's speaking to a church in Philippi who is also suffering and going through hardships. And in particular, they face many hardships. And one of the hardships they're facing is they're being persecuted. They're being hated upon by a group of guys who really loved obeying the Jewish law. The Jewish law was centered around the temple and had lots of rituals that they had to perform, lots of things that they had to do, one of which was to circumcise their males. And these legalists really looked down on people who didn't do that. Another name for legalists might be Judaizers, if you've been at church for a while. And they looked at the early church as a bunch of people who didn't do those things and said they were good with God in the here and now, but also in the apocalypse to come because they followed a man called Jesus. And Jesus said, you know, those things in the Old Testament, they were good at their time, but really they were just signs pointing ultimately to me. And now that I'm here, we no longer need to observe those rituals from the Old Testament. In fact, God is now looking at your heart. That's what's important, not what you do on the outside. He wants a heart that loves God, that knows God, that fears God, that obeys God. And he wants a heart that loves people, the people that God loves. 
That's what counts. It always counted, but even, even more so now. And so Jesus says, focus on your hearts. And as a result, the followers of Jesus were hated upon by these legalists. Now, Paul says, you know what? If you think that you're right with God because you have a great religious resume, then let me show you mine. It's even better than yours. You know, I too am a Jew. And I too um, was born in the tribe of Benjamin, one of the good tribes. I was a Pharisee. I was a teacher. I was a, a church minister. I was a lawyer rolled into one. I knew my scriptures. And not only that, I actually went and persecuted the church, those ones who followed Jesus. I went around and arrested them and threw them into jail. And I, I, I proved to people who killed these Christians. I was zealous. And not only that, I followed every single bit of those rituals that are written down in the Old Testament law. I was perfect in following them. But now that I have found Jesus, I consider all of that, my religious, my Jewish CV, resume, a loss. He says that kind of confidence is a fake confidence. Don't be like them. Now, Hearing this is quite good, isn't it? It's a good reminder for many of us, especially if you are the person, one of these people who don't usually come to church, maybe has never come to church, and the reason why you, you don't come is because you think, well, I don't want to go to church because I don't really fit the bill, because I sort of know that these Christian people, they're sort of dressed the same, they sort of talk the same, they know, that they're, they know their songs, they know their little creeds, and I just wouldn't fit the bill, so I just won't go. But thank you so much for joining us tonight uh, on live stream. It's obviously, you are, are interested in God and you've sort of taken a few steps towards God already. So it's good that you're here and it's good that you're here to hear that there is no bill at church. You are welcome. You will fit in. There's not a bunch of people who just know the same stuff and as a result, and some conform to some model. We have all walks of people here and certainly I hope that you will continue to listen to these live streams and when this whole COVID season is over, I hope that you'll join our church or one of the good churches around your area so you can meet Christians face-to-face. There is no bill. You are welcome. Please join us every week online and please join us physically in person when the COVID season's over. Now, having said that, many of us uh, go to church regularly. We go to church regularly. And sometimes, you know, we actually just think we're okay with God. We're okay with God because we've been at church for a while. We've been at church for five months or five years or 50 years even. And we do know the songs, we do know the prayers, we do know the creeds, we know all that sort of stuff. And we even go to small group during the week. And, and on top of that, some of us, we even serve. We welcome people at the door, back in the days when we actually welcomed people at the door. We served them morning tea or supper, back in the day when we had supper. And we might even lead prayers or did the Bible reading or give talks. And because of that, we think we're okay with God. And those things are fantastic things to do. Let's keep doing those once we physically come back together. But if that is the sole basis we think that we're okay with God, tonight's passage wakes us up, doesn't it? Those things are just outward. Those things are just ritual in many ways. Those things don't make us good with God in the here and now and the apocalypse to come. We need to be the ones who actually engage with God, relate to God deeply, intimately. That's what a true, person, a true Christian is, a true disciple of Jesus is. Somebody who loves God, obeys God, who fears God and loves the people around them because God loves them as well. And so let me encourage you, um, this week, spend some time 
thinking about these things and thinking, um, not just going to church on a Sunday and just thinking you're okay with God, but actually spend some time in actually relying on God and spending time with Him. Now, this is a very specific problem uh, that the, the, the Philippian church faced, but I want to take a step back and see how, what wisdom we can glean from just general hardship and suffering in general, what we can learn from that, and how we can face that with God. Now, about a few weeks ago, uh, we were all just chasing the, the, our dreams. It can be American dream, your Hong Kong dream, your English dream, we just, the Aussie dream. We're just spending all of our time chasing our dream, and our ability to achieve the Aussie dream was based in large part on our resumes, on where we were born, what socioeconomic class we're from, what schools we went to, what university course we studied, what jobs we got, our incomes, our social networks. We had confidence that we could achieve our slice of the Aussie dream based on our regular resumes. But in the last couple of weeks, all that is breaking apart. It's slipping through our fingers. We're no longer so concerned about achieving the Aussie dream. We're just worried about survival, physical survival of our health and financial survival of just getting through, being able to to provide for our families. Those things in the past seem like a bit of a distant dream for us. Our confidence in our resumes have obviously not worked because some of us have lost jobs and will lose jobs. So where can our confidence now be placed? In a time when just existing, just surviving is at hand. Well, if you're visiting us on live stream tonight, the good news is the Bible says there is a God. He loves you. He wants you to have confidence in him. So let me encourage you and invite you again to keep listening to these live streams. In fact, come to our church website and download other talks about God and learn more about this God because this God wants you to relate to him and this God invites you to rely on him in good times but also in hard times as well. But for those of us who are already Christians, then it's a good wake-up call for us as well, isn't it? Because I know so many of us here at St. Andrews, we do love God and we do come to church and we do serve in so many ways. But if we're honest with each other and honest with ourselves, a lot of our time away from church is actually spent pursuing the Aussie dream. And oftentimes that distracts us from what's important, what's core in our lives. I certainly fit into that category and I'm sure many of you do as well. And this particular situation has made us rethink that, has shocked us a bit into thinking about what's actually important. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went, was going to a local shopping, a local supermarket uh, to buy various things. Uh, well, I wasn't hoarding, <laughs> uh, but I went to the bread aisle to just get bread because we had to make school lunches back when we had school. And there I just went around the aisle and I looked for bread and there was just no bread left in the aisles. I was thinking, oh my goodness, there's no bread. And the first thing that popped into my mind when I was with my son was, oh God, give us today our daily bread. And that took on a new significance, a new meaning for me at that particular time. You see, oftentimes, I'm sure many of you do it and I certainly do it, we say the Lord's Prayer every week at church and it's just something we say. We almost do it on autopilot without even thinking. But for the first time in a long time, I said those words, give us today our daily bread with a new sense of desperation, with a new sense of dependence and reliance on God. So let me encourage you guys, let this time of, of hardship and suffering, where we lose confidence in the things that we had before, let us 
refocus our confidence on God. And let's pray more earnestly, more desperately, more deeply relating to God. Let me encourage one of the ways you can do this is actually to pray the Lord's Prayer as we do on most Sundays, but this time actually to do it with more thought and with more, with more a purpose. Uh, one way you can do this is actually to pray each line of the Lord's Prayer followed by the request in your own words. For instance, um, uh, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Lord God, thank you that you are our Father in heaven who's powerful, who's in charge of galaxies as well as viruses, even the coronavirus. Drop down. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Lord God, please just allow us to have jobs, have a government that will look after us, have wise people around us who will, who will share with us, and then all the way down to the bottom. Just make your prayers more intentional, more desperate, more earnest in this time. Instead of putting our confidence in the fake things, let us put our confidence in the real things. Well, that's the first thing Paul says to his church in Philippi and the first thing that God says to us tonight from his word. Well, the second thing he says is, you know, in the past he chased his Jewish goals with his Jewish resume, and he was quite good at it. But at this time of hardship and suffering, he doesn't just waste that. He actually refocuses his goal in life. And we see this refocus in verse 7 again through to 14. So let's read that. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and the participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Now Paul is saying in this time of hardship, he himself under arrest and the Philippian church should not just bunker down and cower and give in, but they should actually prepare themselves. Now, how does Paul prepare himself to give up on the Jewish dream, to turn his back on everything that made him who he was? Well, he does three things. He prepares for the suffering, he goes through the suffering, and he actually presses on during it. Now, how does he prepare for his suffering? Well, he prepares for suffering, kind of like how we would prepare for going out these days, and that's to put on a mask on this mask here. And this mask actually will prepare us to go out and face the world. So if we go out, if we breathe in the air, then the coronavirus will be stuck on the mask and we'll be okay. Or conversely, if we've been overseas and have come back or in self-quarantine, we wear this mask so that when we breathe out, the coronavirus will stay on the mask and not infect our family and friends and the members of a community. Now, don't worry, this is not a real mask. This is made of A4 paper, which is why my glasses are fogging up. The real masks are needed for the healthcare profession and not for as a prop for a talk. But my glasses are fogging up, so I'm going to put this away. Now, Paul puts on a mask as he's giving up. He's, con- he's giving up on those things. And how does this protect him? Well, Paul says, I consider all things loss. He considers his Jewish resume a loss for chasing his Jewish dream. He considers all things loss. His income, 
his friends, his family even, so that he can pursue the best thing, which is Christ. God is so good because God made him. God made his career, God made his family, God made his friends. Now, he's not saying be responsible. We're to love people and care for people. But he's saying compared to having Christ, even these people, even these things are nothing. And so he says, I'm, I consider them lost. So when I lose them, I won't be devastated. And Paul actually goes on and loses these things. He does lose his social standing. He does lose his income. He had to make tents for a living. He loses vast tracts of his friends. He makes new ones, but he loses the old friends, or his Jewish friends. And he actually suffers as well. He's verbally abused, he's physically beaten, and ultimately he would be executed for loving Jesus and for telling people about Jesus. Paul considered everything a loss, even his own life, for the sake of gaining Christ. And not only that, he doesn't just put his crosshairs on Christ and say, yes, that's good enough. He actually pursues Christ actively. He, he, goes, he chases uh, Jesus and what he's taught. He defeats sin in his own life. He grows in the excellent things of the Holy Spirit in his own life. He pursues those things. He shares Jesus with people around him. He pursues Jesus and he presses on. He presses on with effort to get the prize for which Jesus took hold of him. He's not just sitting there with his crosshairs on Jesus. He's actually chasing Jesus. And that's what we're called to do as well in all times of life, but especially in times of hardship and suffering. Now, how do we do that? What are some practical ways you can do that? Well, there's, there's a thousand, and I'm sure you can think of your own. But here's three. Now, I've often encouraged you to redeem your commute when we used to, when we used to catch trains and, and public transport to universities and workplaces and, and uh, social activities. Well, now you don't have a commute, so you have a little bit of extra time to actually spend pursuing Christ. And it is as simple as reading the Bible and praying. I know it's, there's no magic formula in Christianity. Listening to God speak to you and speaking to God is the bedrock of what we do. And so you have time for that. Yet you might want to listen to some music because sometimes I find that with a song, it helps me to feel the effect of the words a little bit more. It might be to talk to some friends about things. And then with their experience and what they think and feel about God, it might encourage you as well. But whatever it is, redeem that commute time and spend that time pursuing after God. Now, I know a lot of you guys homeschool and stuff, and so as a result, you spend half your day on Zoom, and then you're trying to deal with your kids, and afterwards you do all your work at night, and things are really tiring, and in fact, you sort of lose time in the day. I appreciate all that, but there is time that you can etch out. So let me encourage you to redeem that time and use it to pursue Christ. You can also, redeem, resume, uh, you can also uh, redeem your homeschooling. Uh, many of you guys are homeschooling at the moment, and it is quite... Uh, an effort. I was speaking with uh, someone from 10 a.m. this morning, and I said, oh, how's homeschooling going? And she just looked at me and said, it is terrible. It's very hard to do these things while you're supposed to be doing a full-time job as well. But, you know, we can even redeem uh, our homeschooling. Uh, One way we do it, you can choose your own way, but one way we do it is we actually do the normal school routine every morning. We wake up, we we, we brush our teeth, we put on our, our we change clothes, not school uniforms anymore, but we change clothes, and then we practice piano, and after all that, at 9 o'clock, I go dum-dum-dum, dum-dum-dum, which is our school's school bell. Sounds like a train, I know. But we, we, I do that, and then we sit down at the table, and the first lesson we have is actually Bible reading. 
So my two older ones just sit there with their NIVs and just read, and the younger one flips through a picture Bible, and she looks at the pictures and she remembers the stories we read to her while we were looking at those pictures before. And after about 20 minutes, half an hour of that, we have a question and answer session. And so I field their questions. We've talked about the sacrificial system. We've talked about why the kingdom of God is like yeast. We've done a lot of good stuff. And after that, we listen to a song. And after that, we go off and we have um, play lunch, recess. And we come back and do the second period where we do regular schoolwork. So even in the midst of homeschooling, you can actually redeem that time and use it to encourage your family and yourself to pursue Jesus. Now, many of us also, uh, we're parents, uh, we're grandparents. And I know in particular for grandparents, this period has been quite hard because you've been, um, you've been isolated from your grandchildren. Um, the, the grandchildren might be asymptomatic, and so many of the parents are, are protecting you by not letting you see your grandchildren face to face. And if that's you, you can even redeem this. Uh, you can call them on Skype or Zoom or uh, FaceTime. And as a part of that call, let me encourage you, why don't you tell them a Bible story or pray with them and certainly after you hang up, pray for them. There's many ways that even in this hard time of, of suffering and hardship, we can actually refocus because we've realized that the Aussie dream, it was okay, it was good, but nothing near as good as pursuing Jesus, the creator and the ruler of the whole universe. And so in this time, let me encourage you to refocus on the things that really matter and help those around you refocus as well. All right. Now, lastly... Paul then tells the Philippians, and God tells us where to find our true confidence. And we find that in verses 15 through to 21. So come with me. Verse 15. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, And just as you have made us a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, their minds are set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven And we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Paul tells the Philippians and the Holy Spirit tells us that we can have true confidence. Not the fake confidence, but true confidence. And this confidence is found in the fact that we have citizenship in heaven. Now, from what I've read this afternoon, there's about 3,000 or so Aussies stranded outside Australia. And, but nobody else can come into Australia right now. There's a travel ban. But they, if they come to our borders, can get in because they have an Australian passport. The trick for them is actually get on a plane that will come here. But they can actually get in. And this is the kind of situation we have here. We have a passport. It doesn't say... Singapore, it doesn't say Germany, it doesn't say, it doesn't say Fiji, but it says heaven. And because we have this passport, we know that we'll be able to, we're able to go home, even in times of hardship and suffering. And what's more, Jesus has given us that passport, and Jesus will come back himself to take us there. We have confidence 
not in the fake stuff of resumes, religious or, or regular, but on Jesus Christ himself. And as a result, we can go through this time of hardship and suffering and know that we're good with God in the here and now and we'll be good with God in the apocalypse to come. But what are we supposed to do with this confidence? Are we just supposed to sit there and think, yeah, we're good, it's okay, no worries, and just be smug and look after ourselves? Well, no, Paul certainly didn't do that. Paul looked, in the, looked at the world around him and he saw people who were the enemies of the cross of Jesus Christ. And when he looked at them, he felt compassion for them. He felt sorry for them because they couldn't have that confidence that he had. He had tears for these people who are, we will call libertines, or if you've been at church for a while, antinomians. These are the guys who are the opposite to the guys in point one. Those guys really followed rules, but these guys said, you know what, we don't care about rules. Jesus died for us, that's good enough, I'll do whatever I want. And that's just disrespecting Jesus. That's not obeying him or loving him. And, G- and Paul says, you know, those guys are actually enemies of the cross and they cannot have this confidence that we have. Now that sounds like a very harsh words, enemies of the cross, but pretty much it's anyone who sees a God, there's a God out there who made them, loves them, and they say to him, you know what, you don't even exist. Or you do exist, but I'm just too busy to give you any time right now, right down to, you know what, you're a God, you exist, and I hate you because you let my great aunt die when I was five years old or you let the coronavirus hit the world today. Everyone on that spectrum are enemies of a cross because they don't love the one who made them and loves them. And Paul sheds tears for them. And in this book in the Bible and also the rest of the Bible, Christians all around the world are called to do the same. With our confidence, we're supposed to not just be smug in ourselves and be confident, but we're supposed to cry tears for these people and to go and bless them in practical ways, but also bless them ultimately with the gospel of Jesus, the thing that can give them the confidence that we have as well. Time of hardship and suffering is not time to hunker down. It's time to reach out and love people. Now, there's many ways to do this, of course. Uh, we have a, a family, some friends up in Taramara, and they've just walked down their street and they've just pretty much said, um, written cards. Hello, we are this, this family from number 123 on this street. And if you ever need anything, uh, let us know. And we'll, we'll help you for free if we can. And I know they've done it and many people, even at St. Andrews, have done the same thing. So maybe that's something that you might want to do this week. Um, others, we've, in the past, we've actually spent a lot of time talking to people and inviting them to church or to a small group. Well, we can't do that anymore. But why don't you invite them to listen to a live stream? or invite them to our church website to listen to other talks, or invite them even to your small groups as they zoom in on it, on, to the meetings together and involve them that way as well. There's many ways to do this. Now, we're at Sydney right now. We're at the beginning of this COVID-19 season, and I'm sure we'll discover thousands of ways to do it that we haven't even thought about right now. But my encouragement to you guys is don't let this thing stop us from, from mourning for our community who doesn't know Jesus and for reaching out to them in practical ways, but ultimately with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's go out there, choose our own adventures, love them and bless them. Well, about 1,500 years after Paul and the Philippians went through their hardship and suffering, there was another man called Martin Luther. He was a Roman Catholic monk, but then he read the Bible and realized that, you know what, the church is not teaching what the Bible is saying. And so as a result of this, he too was hated by the establishment and he too was threatened 
And in the midst of this, this threat and this hardship and this suffering, he penned the words to a mighty fortress is our God, one of the hymns that we sing at church. The very last verse says this, that, worlds, that word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him who with us sideth. Let good and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. Let goods, let your property, let your income go. Let kindred, your friends, your family go. This mortal life, your own life also. Because this body they may kill. But you know what? We have a treasure in Jesus which far outshines those things. God's truth abideth still and his kingdom is forever. And so Martin Luther chased after those things even though he lost his German dream. It's like Paul in the Philippians lost their Jewish and Greek dreams. I wonder how history will see how we reacted here at St Andrews and how the Christian church reacted to this period of suffering and hardship. Will we be the ones who hunkered down, hoarded stuff from supermarkets, looked after our own and nobody else? Or will we be the ones who see this as a time to not put our confidence in fake things, to refocus, to sharpen our focus on where we really should be and to actually be confident in God and with the result of that confidence, reach out and bless and love others. My prayer and hope for St Andrews and all good churches around the world is that history will write down that we were the ones who were confident in God and blessed the world around them. Thank you so much for spending Sunday evening with us. Hope to see you next week. Well, I feel the phone buzzing in my pocket and I'm going to invite Tom Ness back up onto the stage and we're going to uh, be asking some questions. So Tom, we'll start with you. Uh, As for Paul, how can this period of disruption actually result in us at St Andrews refocusing our church goals permanently? In what ways ought we not to waste a crisis like this? Yeah, Perfect. So like Paul refocused his own life and in many ways uh, rejigged his ministry to do it, I think there's many ways that St. Andrews can do it as well. Um, uh, some of the things I've mentioned before can be done just by you, like walking down your street with cards. Uh, um, you're all on WhatsApp groups from your ro- rotary clubs or your probus clubs or your, your, your kids' soccer teams or uh, your class list. Those things are still operating. So let me encourage you at this time, don't, don't actually shut those things off but actually engage in them even more. I know that there's a 10 o'clock guy who's actually a part of a probus club, and they said that they've always set themselves up into little uh, triplets or quadruples where they actually call each other during the week to make sure they're okay. And so therefore, that might be something you might like to try. I mean, if they can do it at probus, surely we can do that at church as well. Uh, you don't need direction from the staff. Of course, we're happy to give you suggestions, and there are big church things that we're going to do, but right where you are. You can pick a few friends that you have in your small group or even just people you've noticed from church and just make sure every now and again that they're okay and just check in on them and pray for them, pray with them. Those are small things and there's also big things coming up as well. So let me encourage you to do those things. I've got uh, one, uh, another question for Tom. So Tom, if you want to come back over here. Hi, Tom. How would you go about asking your neighbours to join a live stream service at St Andrews? Mm. That's a fantastic question. Um, 
We have neighbors uh, that um, we chat to just every now and again, just uh, by and by, uh, and it's usually because when my grass gets very long and it doesn't get mowed, he actually offers me the use of his lawnmower as a bit of a hint. Um, so how would I actually uh, work in, and we've talked about other things as well. Um, that's a good question because, you know, I think I might just make it, I might make it more obvious that I'm at home. And this is something that you might need to keep asking me about to see if I've actually done it. And when we actually talk about stuff within like a long distance, um, I might actually say something like, well, you know, I'm giving a talk this week and you would like to listen to it, it's on this stream. Or it could be that uh, there's some great kids programs and your kid might be interested in that as well. And so just small things like that you can just throw in because they're going to ask you questions about how you're going and you can actually initiate that by asking them questions about how they are going. And in the midst of that conversation, which you might not have during the busyness of life, you can actually just be bold and work in something like our church is doing these things. Would you like to see what goes on in our church? I think that's the way I'd go.